0: The podcast in depth is brought to you by the team at inform Virginia's leading lifestyle magazine published by Lee Enterprises and reaching more than 50,000 households statewide inform spotlights, the best of Virginia culture, travel, food, personalities, and more. And the in depth podcast takes you on a deeper dive. Here are your hosts, magazine editor, Clay Barber and associate editor, Lewis Brisman.
1: Welcome everyone. I'm Clay. And joined as always by my partner in crime, Lewis Brisman. How are you doing today, Lewis? I'm fine, friendo. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Good. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Have you ever entertained the idea of writing a novel?
0: <laughs> I have laughed about the idea of entertaining a novel because most writers will think they have one in them. And I have never, in all of my writing, I have never, ever thought that I really had a good novel in me. You, you were self-aware at an early age. Self-aware <laughs> at an early age, and also part of the way I was trained journalistically about writing tight and getting to the point, it, I don't ever really, I, I don't recall ever sort of feeling the seeds of development of the type of world building That it would create, that it would take to write a novel, or even to write something that might be grounded in what you know. I say
1: it all the time. Everyone, uh, there are a lot of people who can write a really, a really great sentence, but actually putting, you know, entire worlds together is a completely different skill set. I'm right there. I'm, I'm right there with you. I, for the longest time, when I was young, you know, I, I was one of those naive writers who just was positive that I had a novel inside of me and. Um, I was, you know, as I got a little older and a little more well-read and a little more of a, you know, experienced writing, it became clear to me that that was not exactly within my wheelhouse. Um, it, over the years, uh, later, decades later, I started to develop some, um, some, you know, passion
0: for it, and now I dabble here and there. But- I will, you know, to that point, Clay, I will say. I think just by virtue of life experience, I would feel more likely to think about entertaining writing something really long form now exactly. than I would you got a story have to tell 10 or 15 yeah. years ago. And yeah. it's not even necessarily because I know there's something specific I'd want to write about. I just feel like my ability to capture— You've, you've heard enough.
1: And you've seen enough and you've heard the dialogue, you know, the way people speak to each other.
0: And I I would also argue that sometimes with age, you can slow down enough to start appreciating the cadence of how you might want to portray a scene or a story. So the idea at age 20 of trying to write a five page scene where you're almost just like painting the environment, the characters are living in. I would have felt like I didn't have the time or capacity to do that, 10%. But now I feel like it would almost be one of writing's pleasures to be like, I can I can visualize and feel and I think convey how I would be feeling about that. And I don't think even ten years ago I would have felt like I could do that. How
1: about you? Well, it's the same thing. It's what it took me years to get to that point, and and that's why I'm I'm always amazed by young writers, you know. Yeah. When I when I bump into a young writer that's really good, and you see that they have sort of preternaturally already developed this ability to world build it, it, I don't even know I don't even know
0: how they do it. Uh, you know, with limited life experience. I, I I would agree, and I actually think that's great because when you consider our guest today, absolutely who's in her absolutely. early 30s, she's done some pretty amazing. It's amazing. Things. Our guest
1: today is Nicole Glover, a Norfolk-based author who had a very big 2021 publishing the first two installments of her Murder and Magic series. The books were The Conductors and The Undertakers. In them, she introduces us to Hetty and Benji Rhodes, who served on the Underground Railroad during the Civil War and now solve crimes and navigate life in post-war Philadelphia. Glover cast a spell by weaving fantasy, history, and mystery. And understandably, her books have found an audience in the expanding body of work by black science fiction and fantasy writers. If any of this sounds familiar, it's because Glover was featured in a winter 2022 edition of Inform magazine. And Lewis and I are very excited because we want to pick her brain about the creative process. So let's get ready and meet Nicole. Nicole Glover, welcome to In Depth.
2: Hi. Hey, thanks for bringing me in.
1: You know, um, we're very excited for this one because we're, you know, two editors. So we basically, nerd out on writing and so it's always fun to sit down with a person who has who has written a book and you in your case written two books so before we dive into the nitty-gritty won't you just tell us a little something about yourself i if i, if I remember correctly you're an army brat right
2: yeah it's i, I didn't have, i don't have the the interesting experiences most people most kids most kids in the military do. i never I lived off, off in the base in a different country most have been stateside mostly in virginia i lived in pretty much every major area in Virginia, except for Richmond. I've been to Manassas, Yorktown, and Fredericksburg. And yeah, it's been, I guess it's interesting. It got me used to moving around, I used to looking in different places. And I think also just being in Virginia most of the time, it's, Virginia became, a, I guess, it's, it's a home in a sense, and a lot of interested in thing about growing up in Virginia, for the most part, is getting an interest in all the history involved. Because I lived in all the, around all the major areas. I mean, Fredericksburg was, like, right next to, like, a Civil War battleground. So it's all over the place. And, you know, living in Yorktown, I went to Williamsburg a couple times. And just to, I don't know, always brought me into history. And I guess when I had gotten to writing, history was kind of the first kind of avenue I wanted to go into. I studied in psychology in school. And that was something always, I always, knew way back in high school I wanted to do, because just how people act and interact with things are just, it intrigues me. And as a writer, I kind of get to dive into that and to explore and to exaggerate in some cases, particularly since I write a lot of mystery, mystery novels, murder mystery stuff, that you can kind of exaggerate the human psyche of how people do different things.
0: And as you noted, you know, history is such a huge part of Virginia, and yes. you know, you go to other parts of the country and their histories can be very different. And this is something that your work touches on in some interesting ways. Before we get a little further into writing, though, this is something that I think fascinates a lot of people who aren't writers or creatives. Like many creatives, you have a day job. You know, people might think of Nicole Glover as being a writer, but you are also a user experience researcher for homes.com. And I'm curious, is it is it difficult for you to compartmentalize your writing uh, amid your you know your day job, and is the goal to write full time?
2: Yeah, I think it's, I think it's all about kind of balancing out. I think it's always kind of I think some benefits of a of I guess a full-time job is you able to take your mind off of writing for a period of time, to work on the other problems, to puzzle out other things. while, the books work working on the background. And I think it was like I mean I drew a lot of the research stuff in there, and I guess it's nice that I guess in some ways I like switching out objects, having something else to do for a bit to kind of get my mind off of things because you can get down the weeds when writing, and it's having something else to do is, is also good. And I think I'd in and like in the past, like when I had taken off time during the holidays, I had gotten the chance to have like you no know, kind of be thinking the full-time writing writing stuff, and it's it's good when I like really deep into like writing in a draft or really 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 get down the nitty-gritty of these edits, and it's great to have lots of time, lots of hours throughout the day, to work on as opposed to like you know just having nights and weekends, and that in some ways, and in other ways, I like having. It gets you, it, because when you have your own time to run it, it's easy to get distracted. I think also, I have so many years spent of dividing between like full time work and doing the writing on the side. Is that a lot of times when I'm like, you know, I'm off on my own hour, on my own, on, on my own, on my own clock. I get to, it's easier to get more distracted because I got all these other just things: you know, books to read, video games to play, media to catch up on, you no know, chores and stuff. And it's it's easy to all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it just it depends on the modes. How does a,
1: a regular day go? Um, I'm just, I'm curious, just the yeah. sort of uh, logistics of it, because, you know, we come home after a day of editing mm. and, and scheduling photo shoots and everything. And I know Lewis, he's notorious. He doesn't like to mess with any kind of writing and stuff at night. I do a little bit, but I tell you, it, you know, you really have to force yourself to sit down and start doing something like that I'm curious for you, I mean, what is your process like? Do you do you set yeah. aside a certain amount of time? Or do you set aside a certain amount of pages that you need to get done per day? What's what's yeah. it like for you?
2: Yeah, when I'd get home. I'd well, I guess throughout the day. I sometimes take my lunch break. I would uh, write out some notes for a particular. Remember, that's when I'm drafting. I'll have like a scene. I might have a I might sketch out like an outline of a few scenes, or maybe write a little bit, or, it's, or it's basically make notes for the scene I want to write that day. And so when I get home after you know do all the the get to the the de- de-stressing de- de- from work you know doing all the dinner and cleaning up afterwards, usually about I try to get like 7:30 7 o'clock I get back in front of my computer and just start writing, and basically it's you know I, I try to stay on target for sometimes I guess I moved away I've moving away from like word count goals I think a lot of times when drafting I'll be like set you know, 2,000 words per on weeknights and 5,000 words on weekends. And as a, it's a kind of a loose goal. I think it, and it's in the, now more recently, I mean, kind of more, it's more about the skinning of certain scenes. Cause I had found in the past, when I tried I just focus on the word count, I end up throwing out words when I go back my big revisions afterwards, because a lot of the words I was putting in there just to meet that word count. Like sometimes like, you know, before before I get close to like you know the go to bed and stuff, I'll say like, oh, I'm I'm a few a few hundred words short. I need to just pump out these words so I can make this arbitrary number. And a lot of times I end up pulling them out because they're not this they're just words, not great words. And mm-hmm. but on the, other, on the other hand, I'm, I usually when particularly I'm, I'm mostly talking about like my first big draft I do. It's it's about as I see it, the view is a big kind of brainstorming thing. So it's. In some ways, it's more about the scenes I want to write until I kind of just, I keep that first draft, I always write, I keep writing that first draft until I write on the scenes I want to include, and when I know I want to, when I'm moving into like a, I need to start revision or tweaking things around, it's, that's a different kind of mode of revising, but I guess it's, I guess structure-wise, I just kind of, these are, I see, I set a time, this is just the time I'm using to write, and that's to kind of keep focus on that way it I mean it really helps that you know that I enjoy writing it's always been like my big hobby've been doing since since I ever since I ever started like writing and stuff like that and then i am only really had to really take care of myself so I don't have any other responsibilities pulling at me so it's easier to kind of set set these kind of time chunks and be able to kind of break away and and go or pull back in when I, when I feel when I when the book's calling me for certain things okay,
0: I mean that, that's a real discipline, though, and a real passion, you know, to Mm -hmm. just do, you know, if you're saying you want to do 5,000 words on a weekend day or 2,000 words, it's like for any of us and and most people who, you know, struggled over putting together that eight-page paper, you know, in school, it's it's a real commitment um, to, to get the juices flowing.
2: Yeah, it always help. And I always think is if you always get you have to outline certain things, whether it's just a few notes or like a, a really detailed outline. Any kind of range, you have to have something to kind of work with. Because there's times I've done like on gone the weekend, thing like I'm just gonna write this stuff, and I don't outline anything, I don't make any notes, and it's just it's such a struggle to get. It. I don't meet I don't meet any particular goals, whether it's scenes or word count, because I was pulling stuff out is hard. So like it's it's easier. to, Like I like to think about stuff. I think I always joke and say my part by parting writing process is staring at walls because it's just made my mind just going over, mulling over things. or certain. when I have a particular important scene, I think I actually think about it more than like, before I start writing it. I just I I visualize, yeah, I, I visualize all different ways. To visualize the dialogue. Visualize incidents. Visualizing like, how it impacts certain things that are on. Then I then I commit to writing it down.
0: Well as you said you've this has been a passion of yours writing for a long time and actually let's go back to your youth a little bit. Uh, Your second book The Undertakers is dedicated to every kid who has their library number memorized. Yes. So talk a little bit about what role books and writing played
2: in your youth. I've always read different, different things as a kid. I always loved reading books. I had I guess i I was the kid, like you know, they go to the little classroom library in the back of the room and let's like, pull out different books to read. And just I just joy books. I love joy like finding some random books. like I've read, I guess between like different school libraries to like the the kind of donated libraries that some classrooms had that I just read a bunch of random stuff that I probably can't remember how the the names of them or how to find them. But just this random stuff that enough that. When some when they come out every few years, they come out with these like lists of like these are some kind of older books you might have heard of. I can recognize a few of them because I just read them by random and I just enjoyed reading different different things. And that kind of whether it's like, like history, a lot of mystery stuff to like just regular like older contemporary things, it's just I pull a lot of that stuff into writing and kind of seeing of this is either just drawing how people write certain things or just find ways I want to improve their different different things. And, I don't know, I always spend a lot of time in libraries, I think I've mentioned in other places that I'd written a lot of the conductors in the library, in my local library, just throwing out lunch breaks. I just be the weather, just writing out scenes and stuff like that and just utilizing all the different library sources they have because I always love but libraries the first place I go for any kind of anything really for a lot of things it's a lot you can always it's a good place to start for different things.
1: When you were young is that when you fell in love with uh with the world of magic and uh, fantasy um or did that come later?
2: Well no I have a lot of I guess a lot of the classic books a lot of for children tend to have a lot of fantasy and whether it's like things like Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe or like Matilda or things like that I have a lot of a lot of fantastical elements and I don't think I really like kind of nailed in that this is fantasy I really liked until I got into middle school one <laughs> of all things I think I had, I was passing by the school library and I remember there was these spines of these really colorful books and ended up being Anne McCaffrey's Dragon Riders of Pern series and I was just remember these like these like these are really vividly colored books I always kept passing by and then one day I decided I'm gonna I just read these Let's what these are about and I basically pull them out and, you know, I, started, I just really enjoyed them. And, of course, I thought they were fantasy because there are dragons in these books. But if anyone who's read them, they'll know they're technically science fiction because it's like some kind of for fan- future where they colonize these worlds later on and all those other things. But that was kind of the first real t- real, a real, t- real, time I remember reading, like, particularly fantasy and science fiction. From there, I just kind of scroll off going that route of this for all the different books out there that's. I can and I which i still do kind of do
1: that's interesting because you mentioned the lion the witch and the wardrobe so you're obviously influenced to some degree by all of the you know the classic the ones that we've all sort of come across like tolkien and cs lewis and um neil gaiman people yeah. of that nature uh, but i'm curious there there's a whole sort of a, a new group of sci-fi writers i wondered. Um, if any of them influenced you, and if not, who else would are your influences? People like um, Colson Whitehead. Who would you say your current influences are?
2: Yeah, a lot of, some, a lot of, oh, there's a lot of great stuff coming out in, I guess, the science, science fiction, fantasy world. A lot of my, not kind of, a lot of my current favorites are just a lot of newer writers like P.J. Clark, his novellas and and also an also recent novel is his Return of really explosive for me because it's mostly from the, for, for the novella side is how much he can put in See, those little small little stories of uh, so much world building and filling out, out things. I love a lot of Rebecca Roanhorse's works as she's, I, I remember this, one of her first novel, it was like one of the first times I kind of instantly got drawn into the world and the characters and being from the very first page. And there's this, so much in there I've really enjoyed. I... Yeah, and a lot, of, a lot of newer stuff, it kind of explores kind of fantasy in d- different directions. I think of, there's a lot of the sense of like fantasy is always about like sword and sorceries, Dungeons and Dragons. And there's kind of exploring like one of what fantasy is and what science fiction can be. And it's kind of exciting to kind of see that and kind of be a part of that in different, different ways.
0: The Conductors and The Undertakers, the, the first two uh, books in the Murder and Magic series, are centered on a couple, uh, Hetty Rhodes and her husband, Benji who were conductors on the Underground Railroad during the Civil War. And these stories are set during the post-war era known as Reconstruction, when there was real progress for Black Americans, but then also many setbacks that still echo today. I'm curious, what drew you to this period?
2: Yeah, it's as part of my interest in history. This, uh, uh, this the Civil War, and most more importantly, the restruct- Reconstruction era that followed afterwards always kind of intrigued me because, a lot of things a lot of things happen in this time period it's a very crucial time for in for, for American for the U.S. history in the in the U.S. and a lot it's there's just so many but it's a lot of times it's kind of brushed over certain ways we like we empathize certain lots of part of the underground level in particular civil war stuff but then also we don't really talk about reconstruction era because I always remembered as a kid like there's a couple, maybe there might be a page or two in certain books, but not much is talked about other than like maybe the, all the amendments that came out, but all of the intricacies and the, the politics of all aren't really talked about. But even though but in my books, I kind of focus on how people are living through that time period. And even though I don't because I was kind of intrigued, like what's what is it was what, what kind of what is life for these characters who who have who are going over this major change in their life. And from a way they never really expected, like, how do they adjust and what, how they reframe certain things. And I guess in, in some ways, these kind of, even the books can more explore the kind of fantastical sides. I mean, they it is literally the side they're going to solve murder mysteries and they're using magic with it. But in the same it's the it underlines it to me, is is for me, like, answer the big question, like, what do we do kind of next? And I think that's the kind of theme that kind of resonates with me, because it's like, Kind of anything you want that you go you have you go from one stage in your life you want to think what's kind of what's kind of what's next and i kind of take these characters and look in these certain things and and be going on going on this journey with these characters also allow me to kind of get really into deep of seeing these seeing that time period from their eyes and to kind of just explore everything else within that time period i, just, I found fascinating whether it's like the smaller things from the from the technology stuff to introducing the history stuff to seeing uh, just having interactions with their with their with their friends and family and showing more of the interior lives of these characters of that time period because I think we tend to view history as a lot of these dates of things whether it's battles or laws passed or just or de- terrible things happening but we forget people are living through these times much like we are living through our times and
0: I actually want to mute because um I' I've, I've read The Conductors. I'm looking forward to starting with The Undertakers, which I just got from a local bookstore. But I found before we talk a little bit more about sort of the magic and the fantasy side, yeah. I thought one of the most compelling things about The Conductors was the relationship between Hetty and Benji is very, it's complicated. You know, it's a husband and wife. Mm-hmm. You, you feel sort of the weight of experience, you know, between them. This is, it's an all-ages book, but there's a real sort of weight and maturity to how you portray them as a couple
2: yeah it was i think it was important me to have a sense that they had a history together that you get the reader gets a sense that they had some time the history together to kind of build uh, the relationship of just from from them being kind of kind of partners to like something something different and I want to, like, I, I I like the, I, I like, I love seeing characters like particularly married couples together doing things. I also want to get a sense of what's going on, what they're doing it. And...
0: I've got to say, even the way, the moments where you sort of describe intimacy, yes. it's a very sort of complicated um, sort of, uh, there's just, there's just a lot, even in, in that concept, based on the histories they lived sort of individually mm-hmm. and together, it just felt very uh, it, it was a lasting part of the book in my mind, the way that was that was drawn. and and it kind of speaks to um, you know
1: the the thing that's always fascinated me the most about um novel novelists, right? You create these worlds out of the ether, you know um, you draw upon all these influences in your imagination and everything, but I mean to do it, that's that's like the. A lot of people can write a sentence really well, right? But the thing that makes the novelist is the ability to craft a three-dimensional world out of their imagination. Um, I remember when um, it was 2000, 2001 or so, and I read Empire Falls by Richard Russo. And I remember, Mm -hmm. because back then I was a young reporter and I was like, you know, like every young reporter, I was sure there was a book inside of me, you know? And then I read that book. And I remember putting it down and saying, well, I'm never going to be a novelist because, I mean, I don't know how in the world he did that. I don't know how he made these people so real and the world so real. And so I'm curious for you, how did you, I mean, you've made a real world and it's not only, it's one thing to make a realistic world, but you've you've gone one step beyond. You made a world that kind of dabbles in realism and, uh, and is in fantasy. So you had to really kind of stretch you had to like draw upon imagination mm-hmm. real world history and make it all work
2: yeah it's there is i guess the, i like to say there's i had like a like a formula or some kind of plan right now but it's more it's kind of just thinking about through the action of how they impact the world is thinking out but basically looking at how i built the world how i want them to interact with certain things it's and I think in some ways, it's kind of just going over this, just really thinking deeply of how certain, certain situations, how realistic it is, how, I mean, how would, yes, I don't know. Well, let me ask you, let me ask in
1: a logistical know. situation. Yes. Yes. okay. When you sat down to write your first one, mm. I think a lot of people who dream of being, you know, authors they, 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 that's what stops them, right? The blank page, they sit down. They might have a great idea, yes. but, but I know what stopped me when I put that book down was even if I had an idea, I didn't know how in the world to get from step one to step two to mm. step three. Okay. Now years have gone on. It's been 20 years. Um, and I've starting to, I start to get the idea that, well, you know, it's basically like anything else is how you eat an elephant, you know, one bite at a time, <laughs> yeah. you just take a step and then take another step and take it, but there's a lot of fear and starting something that's a four hundred to six hundred page effort that might not go anywhere yes. and 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 then you got all the all the question marks in your head. Mm. So you were sitting down, starting the first book mm. how did you how did you break through?
2: I just started writing, <laughs> because I had these scenes in mind. I want I had these characters that you know that kept urging me on to see. They had the story they wanted to tell, and I was interested in seeing what story they had to tell me. and and the, I find that whenever I get like frustrated or certain things, this frustrated with the story, and and I keep being pulled by it, and still get pulled back because these characters, just they, I, I have, I'm interested to see what the story is or how they make it get to get a better version of it. It's, I you're, think you're that, interested
1: I, to see how the story is, so yeah, it's, like get it's, get it even, it's, it's like it's revealing itself
2: to you. But thinking of like a, you have a like me, a sculptor with a chunk of marble in front of them. They're just slowly. They don't. They have a vision of the sculpture, the statue they're going to make. But they, you have to slowly chisel it out. And that's how I view a lot of writing. With it, when I start my very first draft, it's very rough. It's very messy. But I see the potential. I see. I have a vision of what the the, the end goal is to sort of be. I kind of. I like this the, the, the discovery part along the way how it gets to get to things. And like looking back, it, and it's and they're always variously different when they first start out. And I think since I'm not afraid of that, i I'm, I know that things will change and evolve as I keep writing it. So I don't try to, I don't get too that's why I don't get too scared about the the knowing that what's ahead of me because I know what's gonna I take it, I see it I can take it in certain chunks where it's in past passes of different just editing phases. I don't have to see it, it has to be perfect. From the first, from the from the first draft, basically, I know I had it's a long process, but getting it out there, getting at least something done, it gives me a lot of the attempts to mold and switch things around and work with it. So,
0: you know, one of the most fascinating elements of these stories is the difference between magic used by black characters mm-hmm. and white characters. Talk about the distinction between the styles and even how that idea mm-hmm. came to you.
2: Yeah. It's- I think that it started mostly from, I, I started the idea, I wanted to have everyone that had magic, because I think a lot of, or a lot of fantasy stories where it's always going to select one particular group. And I also like the idea of having everyone has different styles, kind of the way we have different languages, different styles of music, dance, so forth. And I like this, everyone has a unique identity because everyone can do magic, but it's just like, it, it comes out in different fashions. And once I started really thinking about that, I'm thinking like, if it's different people do different ways, there's going to have, there's going to be laws against it because there is some reason there's always laws against something or whatever people do differently. And I think also just going along with the history of the world of this kind of, I like, I, I tied it to a lot of the kind of real, like we kind of real world situations of whether it's like you know these these groups these black people can't use sorcery or one wand, wand's magic basically and there's all those certain other certain cultural ties with the celestial magic that our main my main characters do. And as I kind of I marry I marry those pieces together to kind of just to help make it a part of the story. And also even though even though you don't even though you don't see difference too much of the other magic system in the world. I know, I like the sense that they exist, that there is possible that one day I could I'll turn the lens over to different aspects of that. But when it comes to the celestial magic, the main characters that Kenny and Benji and some other people we utilize utilize the book. I, you know, I, look to, I look to kind of like more of like a natural style of, of magic that could be easily uh, drawn from different situations. I, it's because my, my big concession with the idea with the concessional celestial celestial magic is that it was drawn from just different kind of magic styles that kind of merge together in a sense, because it's mostly kind of tied to my, my interest in my research in the history of like music, popular music in the US, particularly like jazz music and how it came together for different areas. And in one way, celestial less so is kind of like jazz music in a sense. It comes from different areas, it comes from the new that's different, that's unique. And, you know, and also look to things I really like. So I made the magic system based off the constellations because I love stars and astronomy and, it helps and also like the visual, it as a vis, fun visual components that I could have found playing around with in the story, whether they can have like literal uh, constellations like the earth Minor, or like the the, the the bears and whatnot, just coming mm-hmm. to life in the story. They can add the fun visual component. And that's fun for me writing that certain things. And yeah, just- And I gotta
0: say in many ways, I, I think for the conductors, it felt so natural and yet so amazing when the characters were in some cases literally drawing that magic you know yes. for hetty to be drawing you know in the ground or in the air the shape of a constellation yes. that creates you know a magical character and effect, or it's stitched into clothing or as we learn even into a human body um, there's something where uh the world just seems to come so alive when they are employing Mm -hmm. something in some cases in very clunky ways. Not every character has the same skill level um, with Mm -hmm. the magic they're using. Um, But the story just really sort of comes alive when that magic is being employed in ways that seem both completely normal and completely fantastical.
2: And I think that was like, that was also my goal too. I wanted to kind of this. I wanted to have it be a, both be a part of the world and also some way show kind of uniqueness and it has ways inserted into places. And it's good that you mentioned different skills. Like I would also, cause I think of sometimes I, I, I can sort the magic use throughout, throughout. no matter what system by it, like it's just use and practice too. I want to make sure some people are better at it. Some people are worse at it. And it's, there are different reasons why. And that's, all, I guess it's, yeah, this is all about this making it. It's a part of the story.
0: I want to. I'd like to uh, ask you about a particular passage in *The Conductors*. Um, so, *The Conductors* is your debut novel, and it's set up where there are a series of interludes between chapters, and these interludes go back in time uh, to fill in the story of Hetty and Benji. And my favorite is the one set in the great dismal swamp here in Virginia in yeah. April 1863. It's there that a black community has formed under the leadership and really more like the control of a woman named Nanette. And as Hetty thinks of leaving this community with some effort, there's this exchange. And I'm going to read this from from the conductors. This is Nanette speaking to Hetty. We belong nowhere. Our past is stolen, our present is lost, and our future hangs in the balance. That won't change for a long, long time. This country thrived with our people in chains, you think it'll just take a few years to change all that? Hetty wasn't the first person to have this lecture, but unlike the others, she had the privilege of being in the company of others who debated every point of this argument backwards and forward. Nanette hadn't said anything wrong, but not everything she said was right. Hetty looks Nanette square in the eye and says, change happens when you face it directly. Hiding away will do nothing. It struck me that there's really maybe a very historical, but mm-hmm. also a, a real contemporary resonance
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, to, that pack, uh, to that passage, isn't there?
2: Yes, yes, definitely, it definitely is. It's, a, it's from, from looking at, the thing is a, look, doing the research, historical research during this particular period in time. It's very fascinating in the sense of a, a feeling that time is a complete circle. And you see a lot of arguments that they're having back then are really relevant right now. And in some ways, it's in some ways, writing, writing these books allows me to muse on the contemporary, the contemporary meaning for myself, as well as thinking about their time period. And, and it's, it was a big, it was a a big topic back then about what's the role of of Black people in the U.S. because as even though the abolitionists at the time were saying a lot wanting to, for many years wanting to free the slaves and whatnot, they don't particularly want they want them to stay in the u s That's why all the issues about housing and stuff even the north becomes a big fire point and that's there was, that's why there was talks from even back in the late seventeen hundred early eighteen hundreds about of colonies in Africa for example and it's also spending, It's also a big. It's also a big question that I'm sure a lot of people have right now is that whether what one to stay in the country doesn't really particularly want you. Like, but where else would you go? And those are a lot of thoughts that kind of contained in that little passage right there. And it's. And I mean, it's, it's a yes. It's, it's, a, it's a something I like to kind of chew in there because I think a lot of the, the part with the interludes has allowed me to uh, kind of explore those. The, a lot of the, lean into more of the historical stuff and just thinking about. This, this, all the bringing the relevance from the contemporary stuff. And, and that's, yeah, that was a particular interest. That was a, a, a particular passion that I'd use a lot of these things, different things in there about. And hope, I'm glad always when someone pulls that one out, that's always one I'm really, really proud about.
1: Well, you know, what's also interesting is the, uh, you find yourself now, mm-hmm. um, finding this great success at at the same time as a lot of uh, a lot of other um, african american creatives are are doing the same thing i mean you know lovecraft country um, was very popular it's shocking that they didn't uh, re up it because it was hugely popular watchmen took went down this area um, what do you think about that right now i mean it, it is interesting that uh, that 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 we're seeing this explosion on this side of the of the diversity creative side, you know, um, I think it's really cool. Uh, do you do you f- see yourself in that? Was that something that that um, somehow was ever in the back of your mind, or or is or, or is it just more like you grew up liking fantasy and it just was sort of a happy coincidence this is happening at the same time? Um, it's
2: I'm yeah, it's i happy to see the explosion of particular. Uh, a particular of a, 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 a black piece of fantasy and uh, aspects of it, and in some ways, it's long overdue. There's always been writers from the past, whether talking about the the, the giants of the of the, the side of Octavia Butler, Samuel Delaney, and others unspoke that we probably will never hear about because they're, they're, just, they, they're on easy, their works aren't easily found. But it's 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 long overdue to see kind of explode in the pop culture and kind of see because we. All the there's always been black nerds and black geeks interested in fantasy and stuff. I just haven't we just haven't often seen a lot of or have our stories like widely dispersed about. So I'm I'm excited to be part be part of it and and see a, see especially more black speculative TV come out. In and, and make have some great success for certain particular things. And
1: it's it is interesting that like you know, um, it's more like the the world the the publishing world. Is now finally realizing that they need that, that this is something that is is good and interesting and compelling because for years, like you know Mosley, I mean, now they they were more than willing to you know private investigation, uh, sort of urban street stories that, that are brilliant. You know, they were like, oh yes, but like uh, it, it almost felt like someone who was like, oh you know, I'm a black author and I want to write about elves, and they were like, mm, are you sure? <laughs> sure that's uh, the
2: genre you wanna write in? And it's like, why not, right? Yeah, it's still it's still kind of like that. It's a, if the end it's it's falling in the kind of announcement of any kind of like things like Lord of the Rings and Wheel, Wheel of Time's casting stuff. It's interesting to see the, the arguments they have about this casting certain characters in there. And I'm not too familiar with all the lords, but it's just interesting what people argue about. Whereas, you know, there's yeah, dragons. There's I think there's, just there's,
1: recently kind of lost yeah. his mind over the casting and the Lord of the Rings.
2: If, you know, it's 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 just it's, it's, it's interesting to see what, because it's, in some ways, the fantasy, it shows you, like, what, because you, you, the chains are, like, off of, like, reality, with fantastical world, because you can do anything you want. It's just interesting to see what becomes popular, what's accepted, like, or what's historically accurate, because that's what <laughs> always gets, it irritates me a bit, is that when they say fantasy has to be historically accurate, like, what kind of, what kind of fantasy are you talking about? I mean, there's difference between like historical fantasy where it's the, the idea of being in a historical time and place is key to it. But there's also like, you know, fantasy that's basically like, you know, this uh, mishmash of different cultures and time periods. That's the secondary world. It's like, there's nothing historical here at all. You can do whatever you want. Yeah,
1: Tolkien. And, I mean, he just made a fantasy world that was kind of a little reminiscent of certain periods of, of of our history, but not not really.
2: Yeah. like there's there's no history that you can do anything you want and but yeah that's it
0: nicole i want to ask you the um the conductors was published uh, officially in march of 2021 and the undertakers came out pretty quickly on its heels in november of 2021 just give us a little glimpse behind the curtain of the publishing world how did you know how quickly did a deal come together was it the plan to release the first two installments in fairly quick succession?
2: Well, not exactly Publishing takes 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 a long time it's 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 funny. I never really until I got into I never really realized how long it takes a book to come out. Um I always knew a sense that it takes a while you know edits and everything like that, but it takes a while so i got I sealed the deal for 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 the two books back in two thousand. And eighteen, December two thousand eighteen, I signed the deal, and I didn't. I turned in the conductors and, like in the fall of two thousand nineteen, and, and after some edits and whatnot, and it takes a while to goes through different things to plan. Uh, I, my uh, books, The Conductors, actually got delayed because of the, the pandemic, because of paper shortages, and everything like that. It was originally set for the fall of twenty twenty to come out, It got bumped to March twenty twenty one, which wasn't too bad to considering how things were in the fall of twenty twenty. So that's that's fine. But in in the sense, Undertakers was always meant for twenty twenty one. I think it was probably I think the original plan was to have about a year apart, but because of those different things and it ended up being scheduled the same year and, and for time-wise for me it still worked it was still i guess reasonable i guess in the sense that since i had i turned into uh, the conductors 2019 I had, I had i guess 2020 to work on, on undertakers and part of that so it, it was there's still a reasonable amount of time for behind the scenes wise certain things but yeah it's 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 interesting because publishing like is scheduled ahead of time for certain things so that's why so there's like there's some ways and sometimes, but sometimes not a lot of time for the writer because the, there's sort of strict productional schedules. Like they want the because you get to the printers and there's other people involved and there's lots of there's lots of steps in the publishing side and really really is lot, there's different editors that come in through and there's like different passes you have for this from just setting the book within the pages to like the final like the proofing stuff and this it's just interesting of how many different steps. I think they ended up like for for both books end up going through like just three or four editing passes after I officially turned it into my editor to kind of get to the final pages and whatnot.
1: Well, this seems like a a good time to wrap up. So I have one last question for you. And that's what's next. What's, uh, do you have another, another uh, Hedy and Benji story coming out or are you, are you going to continue on that one or is there anything you can give us a tease to
2: I can't I can't say anything official, but I am working on some new some new things. I hopefully get to announce fairly soon I can't. There's there's been lots of fun uh, conversations in the background, but I haven't I'm, I'm Torp and sort of likes to wait to officially announce when everything's official official. So but I can it's been coy, cool, but there's there's I have plans to work more. I've always had a bunch of ideas and stuff, so hopefully it's announced soon. Well Nicole, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: It's been thank a pleasure thanks. talking to
2: you. It's been t- Same here. It's been great fun.